Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. excited actually to be bringing the word for you today. Um, a lot of prayer and preparation and thought has gone into this. I had a lot of notice, so much that I nearly backed out of it multiple times, um, but here we are. So um, thanks for being here today, especially if you're someone that I've invited along. I really appreciate your presence here today. So yeah, let's, let's do this. <laughs> here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Close the doors and hear them pray. Open the doors and they all walk away. My name is Taylor and I love the church. Depending on which context I'm speaking to, that statement could result in any number of reactions. Amens, hallelujahs, shouts of praise, a nod of approval, a firm handshake and invitation to join the morning tea roster. <laughs> Rolled eyes, crossed arms, uh, that's nice before moving to the far side of the room. In some cases, curiosity. In others, I might be received better if I just confessed my name is Taylor and I'm an alcoholic. Welcome to today's message, hey Google, how do I go to church? I have already established that I will be unable to bring today's message without offending someone, somewhere, somehow. If that is you, I'm sorry. However, I do wanna challenge you to be open to hearing God speak to you afresh today. Speak to all of us. On one level, I don't need to be up here today. How to go to church? You're all here. You made it. Let's just cut it short, grab a second coffee and go home. Like. <laughs> and to you, online church, <laughs> I know, is that Geordie or Michael? I know where you guys are at. Um, <laughs> to online church, I wanna say welcome. Um, it's really good to have you here with us, even if you are not in the room. And I just wanna encourage you to lean in and just hear about how God is speaking to you today about what it looks like to embody what the church means in your context and whatever circles you may be moving in. Oh, another note, online church, is we will be doing communion at the end of this service, so hopefully that gives you plenty of time to run and, and get that prepared. Um, now, in truth, there are almost as many ways to go to church as there are people who do it. Catholic, Orthodox, Lutheran, Uniting, Anglican, Baptist, Pentecostal. You've got progressive-leaning churches and churches that are more traditional. You've got churches with organs and choirs, and you've got churches with drum kits and lights and even sound machines, no, sound machines, smoke machines. <laughs> it can almost feel like a choose your own adventure and honestly, it's no surprise that so many people spend so long church hopping. Why not, with so many options, why not have fun and play the field? Add to that the headlines of church abuse scandals. The sexual abuse of children by those entrusted positions of leadership the most shocking and abhorrent. But baggage comes in many shapes and forms. 
And I want to name the reality that other forms of physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, financial abuse have occurred in church contexts. And if that is you here today, in any capacity, I want to extend my deepest compassion and condolences while standing alongside you in solidarity, because truthfully, me too. With all this swelling in the background, it can be hard to discern what even is the church, or perhaps what is the church meant to be. I was praying a few months back about how to approach this message. On one hand, I could give you an A to Z on how to fit in at Encounter Church. I could lay down the line on why I think church is important and you should go every week. I could even advocate for why I love Encounter Church and have chosen to make it my home. And none of those things will be wrong, would be wrong, and I will give some practical pointers. But chances are, if you've done growth track, or even if you haven't, you will already be more than equipped with what you need to grow. This is a next steps church. If you're hungry to grow in faith, in connection, in wisdom, in community, but are unsure what next step to take, ask somebody. I'll give you that simple one for free. On the other hand, because I'm me, I felt led to take us a little deeper. <laughs> Much to my surprise, God led me to a prophet named Micah. Micah prophesied over 700 years before the church began to exist. But when God takes me down an unexpected pathway, I have learned to listen. So let's listen together to what Micah has to say, shall we? Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. Micah here is standing in accusation against the people of Israel. It would not be too different from someone today beginning an address before the Australian High Court. Hear, O nation, listen, you ancient witnesses, from Uluru to the great Australian Bight, from Cape York to the Twelve Apostles. Let me plead my case before you ancient witnesses of the injustice done in this land. Except the charge involves more than just injustice, as if that were not enough. No, Micah recalls, you entered into a covenant, a covenant with your God, and you have not been faithful. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. My people, my people, my people, God cries. Remember, remember how I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you out of the land of slavery. Remember that you may know that you may know you are my people and may know I am your God. Oh, my people, will you not remember? Then the tone changes. A single worshiper arises, almost like he's shaken off his stunned buddies and, stunned buddies and side-eyed them with a, I got this. Arrogantly, he bows. Oh, great, divine and glorious God, your majesty on high, above, all of us. With what could I possibly please thee, my Lord? 
With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Will the Lord be pleased with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? The prophet is not impressed. You think your sacrifices are what God's after? You think you can just buy him off? You think your offer of child sacrifice is going to get him going? Like, clearly, you do not know him at all. No, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Going back to my question, what even is the church? Or perhaps what is the church meant to be? Micah here gives us three key pointers. And I would like to explore with you why this is good news for all of us, all of us today. But first, shall we pray? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for bringing us all into this room for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, for this moment, and thank you, Lord, for the preparation that we have done. Um, Father, I just pray you'll be with me as I speak these words, and you'll be with everyone here who receives them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, firstly, before I even start, I want to do a shout out, speaking of the church, to Charlie, who helped me fix my PowerPoint at the very last minute because I was very disorganized. (laughs) So you can credit him for the amazing work that is going on behind me, and yeah, I'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) First point, I'm sorry, I have three points today. There's a lot to cover, but I'm gonna try and keep it simple. So three points, show up, put up, and give up. First one, show up. Act justly. Micah directs his accusations to the people in the time of the kings. Israel and Judah were in a prosperous time, but not all was good in the hood, or should I say, under the hood. The rich were exploiting the poor. The people were not heeding God's call to protect the orphan, the widow, and the fatherless. Kings and prophets were accepting bribes, and God sent Micah to say this simply will not do. I don't want your empty religious acts. I am sick to the stomach with your hypocrisy. Israel, this is your wake-up call. Israel, you may be my people, but I'm about to spit you out of your spit you out of my mouth, turn you out of your land. This is your warning. No, judgment is coming. Whew. Whoa, 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 Taylor. I thought this sermon was about the church. Yes, and what is one of our calls as God's chosen people? To act justly. God cares about justice, and so we should too. God is appealing to the Israelites on the basis of their identity as his covenant people, his called ones, his chosen ones, his beloved. And yet, what is their call? To be his temple in the world the place where his glory and presence dwell, a people whom others can look upon and go, wow, so that's what God is like. That is the nature of the God of Israel. 
Yet, this is not a call that Israel could fulfill alone. In fact, it's not a call any of us can fulfill alone. English is a dodgy language, and we only have, <laughs> we only have one word for you. The Bible and the Old Testament in particular almost never uses the individualistic you. You almost always means you people, you community, you all. So when we Western, or mostly Western, individualists that we are, read texts like Micah, we generally assume it means, well, you. You, Taylor, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, go home this week and try and figure out how to do it all on your own. No, the Bible's view of justice is actually quite different from ours. We tend to outsource. On the left, we tend to politicize and engage in advocacy. Feeling powerless and defenseless ourselves, we tend to call on government to swoop in and take responsibility. On the right, we tend to politicize differently, putting more responsibility on the person to make their own way in a free market economy, championing forms of social conservatism that protect those freedoms. I'm not saying either of those is wrong in and of itself, although I think both can be dangerous when taken to extremes. I just am noting that under either banner, I get to outsource. I can engage in bringing justice in a way that fits my life and doesn't cost a whole lot from me. By contrast, in the Old Testament, justice and righteousness were much more communal. They were at least as much about what you did as about what you advocated for. This is a quote from John Goldingay. It was practical and down to earth, personal and costly. It was about doing what you had the power to do on behalf of the people who lived nearby. And this was lived out in community. Friends, nothing has changed from the Old Testament until now. The church, the ecclesia, are still known as God's called out ones, his chosen people called to represent him and bring his presence to a world who desperately needs to know his love. So I think the more important question is, who are you broken for? When you witness injustice, whom or what does your heart ache for? God's justice is always about being for someone or something, never just against. So who are you broken for? And how will you show up? Show up with your hurts, your wounds, your brokenness, your passion, your gifting, your story, and your scars as we work and wrestle together to figure out what doing justice looks like in light of the cross. So who are you broken for? Who or what are the people around you broken for? Have you taken the time to listen? Because as the Ecclesia, we may not have the capacity to save the whole world, but we know the God who does. So how can we as the church become a championing community who through our acts of justice mirror what our God is like to the world? Second point, put up. Love mercy. When you think of mercy, what do you think of? Perhaps it's an image of a desperate man pleading for mercy as a gun's held to his head. Maybe it's a religious liturgy where Lord have mercy is repeated over and over. Maybe you've heard the Shawn Mendes song, Mercy. Please have mercy on me. (laughs) 
or maybe it's even Mother Teresa. The word hesed, which we translate here in Micah as mercy, can also be translated as kindness. God, specifically God's kindness and compassion towards his people. But when we look at this term throughout the whole Bible, a grand division emerges. The Bible project defines hesed as a loyal love, promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. And as the people of God, we are called to love this kind of love, to act justly, to love steadfast and loyal love, and to walk humbly with our God. What does this mean? It means doing justice starts a lot closer to home than you think it does. One commentary puts it like this. Believers must be in the forefront of guiding their communities toward eliminating the injustices that so seriously plague the social, economic, and political life of cultures in every corner of the world. That kind of biblical leadership starts with the transformation of each person's own desires and actions then it can infiltrate into the very fiber of the relationships people have in their homes, their churches, their work, and their play. Loving mercy, acting justly, and walking humbly with God are not just possible options that a person may wanna think about. They are the heart and soul of pleasing or displeasing God. I don't know about you, but it costs me very little to be a keyboard warrior. It costs me very little to pop up an Instagram post. You know what does cost me? Loyal love. Because the truth is, when it comes to the church, once I show up, if I keep showing up and showing up and showing up, eventually I'm gonna have to put up. Put up with things I don't like, people I don't agree with, frustrations and demands on my emotions and my time. I will note, referring back to the beginning, I am not talking about putting up with abuse. There are some things that should never be put up with. Putting up also doesn't mean pushing down or suppressing emotions or experiences. It's, still, it's so important to process all experiences in a healthy way and as Christians, in light of the cross. However, given our instant gratification culture, our default is to run from any kind of putting up. When the world screams, I want what I want when I want it, it takes countercultural courage to turn the other way. Yeah. I spoke to Brant last week, and he can tell me off later. <laughs> I told him about how I was preaching on how to go to church, and you know what he said? Make sure you talk about how it sucks. I say that. I say that because I know any, if, if, if we know any man who embodies Hesed, faithful, committed, covenant love and loyalty to the church, it is Brant. And yet even he acknowledges that if you show up, eventually you're going to have to put up. Put up with people who frustrate you, annoy you, or even break your heart. Put up with worship styles and preferences you may not in all honesty like. Put up with disappointments and failures in ministry. Why? Because the church is not a social club. The church is many things, but it's more like a hospital and a gym. 
It's a hospital because no one walks in fully together. Anyone who does is only pretending. And if you think you've found a perfect church, whoops, bad luck, because now you're in it. (laughs) And nobody is perfect, including you and me. (laughs) It's a gym because it takes commitment. We weren't meant to do this life alone. If we go back to our Live No Lies series, the spiritual practices or exercises that we touched on are not to be done alone. They're to be done in community, deep, loyal, steadfast, covenant community. Prayer, Bible reading, Sabbath, church community, confession, fasting. This isn't a hashtag me and Jesus for eternity kind of gig. This is a life-on-life spiritual apprenticeship aimed towards knowing more nearly and loving more dearly Jesus, our Savior and our King. And like the gym, it's not enough to pay an annual subscription. To make the most of all it's meant to be, you need to show up and you need to put up. Put up with a little pain, put up with a little discomfort, knowing and praying that the whole time God is shaping and forming and growing you to become more like his son Jesus, our savior and our king. The one who is so filled with kindness and mercy that he can't help but overflow with acts of compassion and love. So I think the important question here isn't what church do you go to or how often do you go, although like the gym, showing up once a month won't produce the results or fruit that you're hoping for. The true question is, who are you becoming? And more importantly, who are you you on that journey with? Final point, give up, walking humbly. Now, you might be listening to this thinking, that's great, Taylor, but I don't get it. How is the church different from any other social justice organization, from any other group of people who have to learn to be nice to each other? Or perhaps you're thinking, that's nice, Taylor, but you've just listed a whole lot of things we need to do. The gospel isn't about what we do, it's about what God has done for us. If so, gold star for you. You are a very smart Bible student. Because the one thing that does make us different from any other social justice organization, from any other social group, is the God who walks with us. The God who goes before, declaring, you will be my people and I will be your God. The God who, before we'd done anything to deserve it, already took the steps to have a relationship with us. The word used here for walking humbly means walking wisely. It means a way of life that is humble, not so much by modesty, as by paying considered attention to others. Walking humbly means paying attention. And what is the very first way that Micah calls us to pay attention? To remember. Remember the Lord your God. Remember his covenant. Remember, remember, remember. Remember that you may know. The Hebrew word for know means so much more than head knowledge. It means to know intimately and practically so that it goes from being something out here to something in here. Furthermore, the Hebrew word for remember means more than just a thought process. It means bringing back to life and participating in an event whose past 
whose meaning and force, past event, whose meaning and force continues on into the present. This is why we pray. This is why we worship. This is why we gather to remember. Micah was calling the people of Israel to remember the covenant they had made with their God. This covenant contained a promise that they would be his people and he would be their God. We too stand under a covenant. Not because we are part of the nation of Israel. No, we are participants in a new covenant. 1 Corinthians says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, as we begin to come to a close today, I'd like to invite you to respond as together we take communion. See, one final image that we are given for the church is that of a meal. A meal where all are welcome because the host is faithful and true. Now, I mentioned at the start of my message that church hurt has been an experience for many, thanks Jim, an experience for many and not one from which I've been immune. Yet, at the beginning of the year, I felt a very clear call from God. Taylor, you need to forgive. As part of this process, he gave me the image of the vine from John 15. At first, I thought of this in terms of Jesus and me. Just try harder, dig deeper, get closer to him. Then I realized that when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, he never meant just me. We are the branches. We together have been grafted in. And so I realized I had to give up. Give up my pride, give up my independence, confess what was going on. And in doing so, I found I was not alone. I had a whole web of relationships sustaining me. Forgiveness is not easy. In fact, the last few months have been possibly the hardest and most emotionally painful I have ever had to deal with. But as I've done so, I've found I'm not alone. There's been another in the fire standing next to me. See, at the communion table, we find not just a religious ceremony. No, here we remember Jesus' body broken for us. We remember Jesus' blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, your sins, my sins. And we remember, we rejoin ourselves to him who loved us so much that he'd enter into our pain, our suffering and our shame, even, perhaps especially, that which has happened at the hands of the church. Forgiveness is a choice. Getting there might not happen all at once or straight away. Depending on what you're forgiving and its severity, you may need the support of others or even professional help. And that's all okay. But when we forgive, we reclaim the fullness of our identity as God's people. As a people who are forgiven and a people who forgive. 
God hates injustice. But the truth is, if you hang around with people for long enough, you're gonna get hurt. Maybe you've had, I don't know what your story is, maybe you've had some great experiences in church where the people of God have really lived out their calling in a way that's brought blessing and beauty and praise God for that. Maybe though, your experience has been not so good. And the very talk of forgiving, the very talk of recommitting yourself to a church, maybe even being here today makes you feel a little bit sick. God's message to you today is grace. He sees you. He is angry about the injustice that was done. And he on the cross has declared that he loves you. And he wants to carry that burden. He wants to take that pain. He wants to set you free. When our lives are ruled by unforgiveness, tied up in the hurts of the past, our vision is clouded. We can walk into a church and see a million disappointments a million flaws or sins or judgments or microaggressions, a million inadequacies. We can see a million drawn swords with the face of the one or ones who hurt you superimposed on the faces of those around you, even as they smile. But you wait for the other shoe to drop for them to hurt you just like someone did before. But the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. I'm only partway through my forgiveness journey, so it's all still pretty raw for me, and you'll see me sticking pretty close to my notes today for that reason. <laughs> but already I begin to see the clouds, the clouds begin to part. More and more what I see is not a million drawn swords in the words and actions of those around me. What I see is Jesus, because that's how he sees me. Not as a sinner, not a victim, not a perpetrator, not covered in sin, nor blame, nor shame, but covered in Jesus. His blood has set me free. So my question to you today as we come before the communion table is, what do you need to give up? What is God calling you to let go of and lay down before the cross of Christ? Is it your independence or maybe your apathy Perhaps you've been coming along to church or life group, but are yet to feel really grafted in. Maybe this is your sign that you need to commit. Take the plunge. Intentionally carve out the time to use your gifts, and it's an intentionality that it takes to use your gifts and serve on team. Ask that question, what are my next steps? If the church is like a meal, we all have something to bring. We're less without you. So how will you show up? Or perhaps you have been coming weekly, but church has become another thing on your to-do list. You may even be in leadership, but as I've been speaking, have realized that your doing far exceeds your being. That vision of John 15 feels foreign and you need to slow down, prioritize Sabbath, and find some people to go deeper with, people you can be real with. Maybe your pride is what you need to lay down as you unburden what's become too heavy. Is it your sin? Maybe you've been carrying a burden of sin for far too long and you need to let someone in. You need to find a trusted person who can walk with you, share that load, pray with you, and on behalf of the church, speak life and hope and freedom into the darkness that has burdened you for too long. Is it your fear? 
Maybe you've carried a burden for others, a burning passion for justice in a particular area of your life, but have been too afraid to share it, too afraid of what others may think. Do you need to show up and let the message of hope that God's given, let others hear the message of hope that God's given you to speak? Or perhaps it's your fear of getting burned. Maybe you're all on board with Jesus, but you've been hurt in church before. If so, I wanna encourage you. It's not how far away you are that matters. It's about which way you're facing. Is there a trusted Christian friend you could read the Bible with or a life group you could commit to regularly where you could take those baby steps toward trusting again? Or maybe you've been carrying a burden too heavy to speak. Maybe the church has let you down. But as I've been speaking, you've realized the painful but liberating truth. You need to forgive. Jesus says you can kneel down and lay that hurt, that pain, that burden at his feet, at the foot of the cross. It might not all happen today, but maybe you need to commit to starting on that journey. If that is you, we would like to pray for you, especially this evening. As we gather around the communion table, we rediscover the core of our identity as the church. We are a people who are forgiven and a people who forgive. And so my prayer for you tonight, wherever you are at in your church journey, is that you would know that deep within your spirit. The cross has the final word. He says you are forgiven. He says you are welcome, called, chosen, redeemed, wanted. You have a place at the table and a gift to give. So we're now going to come to a time of communion. And if this is your first time in church or this is all new for you, communion is something that we do as followers of Jesus to remember what Jesus did in his death on the cross and his resurrection so that we might be united with him and have a relationship with God eternally. As I read out before, as we eat the bread and drink the wine, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus' body and blood and what that means for us. So as our church says, if you love Jesus a little and wanna love him more, you are welcome to participate with us today. Can I encourage you though, the Bible highlights for us the importance of reflecting or examining ourselves before we take this meal. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect before coming. Jesus has prepared the table and it is for you. However, it does mean that if there's something that God has put on your heart tonight, perhaps a conviction of sin or that you need to forgive, I'd encourage you to pray about that, asking for forgiveness or asking God to help you forgive before partaking in this meal. And if that is you, we'll have some elders and our pastoral team up the front. I'd encourage you to come and receive that prayer or if that's too much, lean to like, turn to someone that you came with um, who may be able to pray with you. Um, we don't wanna be a church that closes the doors and all walks away. We wanna be a church that bears one another's burdens as we walk along this road of discipleship. So come, receive. Lay down what's heavy and receive the new life and freedom that Jesus brings. I'll invite Jen or Mike up now to pray. Thanks so much for listening. 
I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.